You're listening to ReachMD, and this is GI Insights, produced in partnership with the American Gastroenterological Association. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Menon, and with me today is Dr. Ryan Stidham, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine in the Inflammatory Bowel Disease Program at the University of Michigan Health System. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Very exciting to have you here talking about a topic that's uh, really front and center with all of our colleagues, and that's therapy uh, in IBD, and your symposium was comparative effectiveness of therapies. And times, as you were telling me, seem to be right for this kind of symposium. Please give a little bit of background for our audience. Sure, you know, the, the landscape of inflammatory bowel disease and, and, and therapeutics is it's really, in, we're in the midst of some really exciting changes, and I think that the future is really brighter than ever for our, our patients uh, with inflammatory bowel disease, and I think that with better understanding of existing therapies and with uh, developing methodologies to evaluate the coming therapies, I think we're going to um, be able to gain great understanding of not just which agents better for everybody, but which agent is better for an individual and moving towards these principles of, of personalized medicine. With that in mind, though, we, we still are in an environment where we're, we're working with um, uh, principally anti-TNF agents like infliximab or Remicade, adalimumab, sertolizumab, pegol, and then thiopurines as well for, for our moderate to severe patients that have um, both Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Um, and the, the methodologies and access to better, higher quality electronic data are allowing us to actually start making some clinically meaningful and more practical conclusions about how these agents are different. So explain about the two methods that were applied now that couldn't be applied five or ten years ago. You know, I, I think that what, from an academic standpoint, what we're able to do now is there, there's both some new methods to, to compare disparate agents. Um, one of them that's been very popular and I think showcased at DDW this year as well as prior years has been the use of what's called network meta-analysis. And what this methodology allows you to do is to take two agents which were not compared head-to-head directly and allows you to make indirect comparisons through the common comparator. So if you have two agents, let's say infliximab and adalimumab, they haven't had a head-to-head study, but they both had placebo-controlled studies with similar patients, similar study designs. This NMA methodology allows you to do an indirect comparison as if it's a, a simulated direct head-to-head trial. What we would really like to have, of course, are head-to-head trials for all of our various therapeutics. Um, the logistics of that, the cost of that, who's, who's going to um, sponsor that study makes it challenging. So we have to do something in the meantime. And in the past, we, we tried with you know, traditional systematic reviews and meta-analyses, but this network approach has allowed us to take existing data and work with it a little more rigorously. The second innovation in these types of um, comparative effectiveness research in the absence of um, direct head-to-head data is that we have access to more high-quality data than we ever have before as medical record-keeping has become more electronic um, and as that has spread across the United States, Canada, and, and other parts of the world, we're now able to look at enormous numbers of patients, um, tens of thousands of patients with inflammatory bowel disease over multiple years. And many of the groups that are um, developing these databases are actually developing them based on administrative claims 
but they can even do that as patients change insurers, which happens very often and was a prior limitation to this type of work. So I think that both the, the new methodologies like NMA as well as access to high-quality outcomes data such as hospitalization data, medication use data, steroid use data, surgery data, the outcomes that the patients and providers care about, I think that with access to this rich data, the quality of our conclusions is is just much better than it's ever been. Now, your group did a specific uh, network meta-analysis on clinical studies. And what did your group find when comparing? Yeah, and that's that's um, interesting point. So, so our group, as well as a number of other groups, have have performed NMA um, in inflammatory bowel disease, both for Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, comparing principally anti-TNF therapies. Um, mainly because, you know, practically, there's a lot of anecdotal suggestions that there are differences between these agents, and a lot of gastroenterologists know the type of patient where they're going to use adalimumab versus sertolizumab versus infliximab. And they have that inherent bias because they've tried it and they're ed- they've educated themselves over time of what agent works in which patient. So we performed the NMA using existing randomized controlled trial data, but we were actually unable to show a statistical difference in efficacy between agents for Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Now this somewhat flew in the face of what we observe clinically, but that's what the data shows. Now, there are some reasons, we think, for why we are not able to parse that out in the data. I mean, I'm I'm an evidence-based person, so I I rely on the available evidence. But that being said, when it conflicts so much with with your day-to-day practice, you have to to question that. And not only yours, others too. Absolutely. This is the feedback that we've gotten from from just about everyone who's reviewed this type of work. So that then transitions into, well, if you, have lo- if you look at real-world data, is there a way that we can get out of the clinical trial space and look at real-world data to do these comparative effectiveness studies? And that's where these administrative claims data sets that are of high quality come into play. And these were um, the bulk of the presentations that we saw during our symposium comparing agents with inflammatory bowel disease. Um, and, and we're actually seeing a difference when using large administrative claims real-world data. We're seeing a difference in the conclusions compared to what we were seeing when you're relegated only to the clinical trials type of patient and the rigorous, clinical, the rigorous environment of a clinical trial. You will change practice habits based on this? Do you think anybody will on the newer data that Mayo has looked at? Yeah, so some of the, the new data that came out of the, the symposium or, or what's new and what I was alluding to was the, um, a number of groups were looking at bigger data sets, and um, uh, the Mayo Clinic group, um, uh, Siddhartha Singh, who's a, a colleague of mine at Mayo Clinic, as well as um, Ed Loftus and several other authors in that paper, they used a, a large administrative um, claims database where they were actually able to show that infliximab in Crohn's disease does have some efficacy benefits over adalimumab. Now, They're statistically significant, and the impact of them, the magnitude of the effect, is not that great. Um, But it's there. And what it tells us that, um, it tells us very clearly that these agents are different. These agents are different. The specifics of that particular study were that surgical rate was was lower. Um, Patients weren't going to surgery as earlier. Their healthcare utilization was lower with infliximab. Um, so it showed us that there was some minor but relevant superiority in infliximab over adalimumab. So why didn't the more 
the, the studies that were oriented toward clinical trials pick up the same signals. Were we measuring different things? Are the patients different? What, what's up with that? I mean, what might you think would be the reasons? Oh, I think that you hit the two points. I think first that the patients in clinical trials are different. Um, the patients in clinical trials are, are typically moderate to severe. They are refractory to a number of different agents. The phenotype of their disease is not comparable to the mean or average patient that you would see even using a biologic with IBD. So you're absolutely right that the patients themselves are different. These administrative claims data sets using real-world data. And the second point is the outcome that we look at. So in the clinical trials, we're often um, uh, relegated to a scoring system, um, such as in Crohn's, the CDAI, in ulcerative colitis, there's what's known as the Mayo scoring system. And these scoring systems are historically used by the FDA, and that's our measure that we use, but they really don't capture all of the data that is relevant. They might capture disease activity and symptom scores at a moment in time, that actually don't capture a lot of data moving forwards in time. Um, they don't parse out symptoms that are not driven by the inflammatory components of the disease. Um, so these outcomes that the larger administrative claims databases were looking at were not a drop in CDAI scores, a drop in Mayo scores. They were looking at, did the patient go to surgery? Did the patient get hospitalized? Was the patient on steroids multiple times because in practice this is what we know makes the biggest impact in the care of our patients. Well how about changing the way we design a clinical trial to look at some of these real-world parameters? And I think that, that that is the evolution that's going on right now and the FDA is certainly um, keen on this. They've, they've been working on this with a number of thought leaders in inflammatory bowel disease for some time and the future of clinical trials in inflammatory bowel disease is going to be a combination of objective markers of disease activity plus patient-reported outcomes. So this idea of an all-encompassing score that somehow takes into effect clinical symptoms and quality of life and general physician assessment, I think that's going to actually disappear. That's interesting. The rheumatologists, if I remember, have been doing this for years, yes. uh, measuring RA efficacy, looking at patient-developed scores as well as the physician's global assessment. Right. So it, it's interesting that uh, it, it will come to getting some feedback for the patients that might be more relevant uh, to look at efficacy. Yeah, I think that the, the, um, the evolution is going to be that inflammatory bowel disease, we have so many objective markers of disease activity, and in fact, um, many of us um, are interested in it, um, treating to an objective endpoint such as endoscopy, such as radiographic endpoints, or even non-invasive biomarker endpoints such as um, stool and blood-based markers of inflammation such as fecal calprotectin and CRP. Um, and that's a very important piece. But we also want to make sure that we're still incorporating, maybe not patient symptoms, but we want to incorporate quality of life. We want to incorporate disability. We want to incorporate um, these factors that matter to patients because at the end of the day, patients aren't so concerned about my fecal calprotectin, but they are concerned about, can I go to work? Um, am I going to have surgery? Um, am I going to have pain? And so these two um, more standardized, protocoled methods of tracking these types of measures, I think, will improve clinical trials so that we can much more easily compare the therapies that are here and therapies that are coming. And finally, we can't ignore cost issues. Uh, anything come out in terms of both side effects, 
cost issues in comparison to these agents? Yeah, so in in the trials that were looked at and in the studies that were done in, in our session, um, we principally looked at um, comparative effectiveness. So we were looking at clinical outcomes um, using different agents, um, principally the biologic agents versus thiopurines. In this symposium, we did not incorporate cost into that, but absolutely this comparative efficacy data, this is what it's moving towards. Of course, we want to know what the right treatment is for the right patient at the right time. But if we can achieve that with a more cost-effective strategy, um, uh, I think that all involved parties, um, from the patient side, physician side, the payer side, and and, um, perhaps even um, the citizen side are going to be interested in incorporating costs. So I think that all of these issues of efficacy, risk, um, will be combined to also then um, look at cost. Well, this was very informative, and uh, we would like to thank Dr. Ryan Stidham for being with us today and discussing these uh, fascinating bits of data. Terrific. Well, thanks very much for having me. And I'm Dr. Barry Menon, and you've been listening to GI Insights, produced in partnership with the AGA on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com AGA, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening.